Hey, welcome. It is uh, seven minutes after 10 o'clock. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. We're talking about pharmaceutical uh, uh, prices and uh, the government uh, saying that uh, they're going to limit uh, how much pharmaceutical uh, pharmacies, uh, pharmaceutical companies can charge. Uh, and then there was this RAND study it, it, that is just completely distorted. Uh, when they compare, and you got to remember this too, when they're comparing pharmaceutical uh, uh, prices uh, to foreign countries, most comparisons don't account for the fact that countries may use different quantities of the same drug. Uh, in, in America, uh, you might use fewer high-priced brand-name drugs, uh, but larger quantities of generic drugs, uh, uh, th those uh, generic alternatives, so that a simple comparison on brand-name prices is just incredibly misleading. Um, the fact is, the government gets in the way constantly. They, they make the cost of bringing a drug to the market way more expensive than they have to. That affects the cost to you and I. If they then put a lid on how much they can recover, it just doesn't make sense to invest in new pharmaceuticals. And the, Brian, do we not have an audio piece that we did uh, that you put together on uh, pharmaceutical costs? Uh, I think it was from, um, uh, we played during the breaks, and it was, I, I can't think of the name of the, the uh, talk show host who has this uh, Prager. I, I think it was a Prager piece. I think so. Let me look around for that. Yeah, that, that, might, that might help uh, people to understand uh, Dennis Prager uh, does a great job. He puts these uh, little vignettes together, and it, um, it 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 really does help to explain uh, the prices of pharmaceuticals and why the government is, uh, is really responsible for much of the higher prices, and how other countries are suffering because they do, uh, in many cases, even worse. That's why the private marketplace is so much better than the government marketplace. In the private marketplace, you could bring these pharmaceuticals to market in a fraction of the time. And you could also have the efficacy of the drugs and the safety of the drugs determined by the media or by an underwriter's laboratory model, which really works. Uh, if you look for that little blue uh, underwriter's laboratory approved tag on your small appliances, then you understand that a non-government entity has tested it and determined that it is safe and effective. And if we did that with pharmaceuticals, you would have the same sense of security. You'd say, hey, they've tested it. Uh, I don't think the government should be involved in this in any way at all. But we'll dig up this audio um, and we'll play it for you. In the meantime, uh, California has um, a problem because they're in, in the midst of a drought. It's been going on for a few years now. This sort of thing happens in California historically, and uh, in, in many cases for decades at a time, has nothing to do with man-made global warming. But uh, they, they end up with these huge forest fires. Wall Street Journal has a great piece on this today. Because apparently uh, one forest fire uh, manages to put enough CO2 in the air to undo 20 years of greenhouse gas emission reductions in California. 
So the solution would be to have a lot more rain, uh, but they can't make that happen. So the other solution is to start taking care of the forest, getting that kindling out of there so that it's less of a, of a fire hazard. Uh, it is to bury the power lines instead of leaving them up in the air because that's what caused, I guess, most of their forest fires. University of California researchers calculated that wildfire emissions in 2020 alone were two times higher than the state's greenhouse gas reductions from 03 to 19. That's in a single year. Incredibly, wildfires in 2020 were the state's second largest source of CO2 emissions after transportation and generated uh, double the greenhouse gases of all the state's power plants. And while the vegetation will regrow and suck carbon out of the air, the study says it's unlikely to occur on the uh, time scale necessary to meet their near and medium term emissions targets. Uh, we can't find that audio. All right, well, it's in there someplace. Eventually it'll pop. Uh, the study says that higher temperatures and drier conditions have exacerbated wildfires. The study also notes that much of the blame goes to decades of fire suppression and underinvestment in preventative measures, such as mechanical clearing of prescribed burns. Wildfire emissions have not received nearly the same level of societal investment or attention as emissions from other sectors. The state focuses on a futile effort to stop temperatures from rising instead of doing what is achievable in mitigating the impact from whatever warming does occur. They spend tens of billions of dollars on electric vehicles and renewable power and biofuels and even methane digesters for dairy farms. But only after several horrific wildfire seasons that cause tens of billions of dollars in economic damage, not to mention smoky skies that harm public health. While utilities rush to meet renewable energy mandates, one reason California electric rates are double those in neighboring states, tree trimming and burying power lines were a low priority. Some of the most destructive wildfires were caused by utility power lines and equipment. They don't seem able to understand this. They're their own worst enemy. Let people go in there and cut some of those trees down. Let them take some of that uh, timber out of there and some of the, the uh, literally it's kindling for, for a lightning strike. Uh, instead of buying all this green energy crap, and I would actually invest this, <clears throat> bury the utility lines. You don't have to make the global warming argument, you just make the safety argument. That would be worth it. Well, with the government's involvement and interference, they have scarcely enough money or time to do everything that the government wants them to do. Uh, so that's, you know, them shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, 874-9390, the toll-free number is 800-529-5572. Uh, you can also go to GaryNolan.com, send me a message there. Uh, Price says, I blame the FDA. My has to take digestive enzymes for the rest of her life. I don't know if it's his wife or his mother, who it is. Uh, the formula she was on was 120 to 150 dollars a month. 
prior to FDA approval. After approval, they went to $3,500 a month. That's the cost of FDA hoops. That is true. All right, funding the Ukraine war, that's next. On the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. It's uh, 19 minutes after 10 o'clock. Glad to have you with us. So what was the audio you did find, Brian? I found the audio uh, government can't fix health care. I did never heard that before when you told me what you were looking for. I just did a general search, and it's like, well, that's not it. Well, let me hear that. Let me, look, can we can yeah. do that? Yeah, we can play it. Sure. Uh, so this is completely off the record. We just, uh, we're just turning uh, in midstream here. Uh, not planned out. Go ahead. Why is the government so bad at health care? They've been at it for 75 years and still can't get it right. It's expensive. Access is spotty. It's mired in bureaucracy, and it's fraught with waste. Obamacare was supposed to fix all this. But instead, like every other government health care program before it, it just made things worse. Why? Because the government is a third-party payer. Let me explain. Suppose you're going to buy something for yourself. You have two priorities, price and quality. You want the highest quality for the lowest possible price. Say you're buying a television. You have many options, the size of the screen, the quality of the image, the price. Only you know which one best suits your needs and your budget. And a lot of companies are competing for your business. You do your research, you make your choice. This is called a first-party purchase. The person paying is the person using. Now let us suppose that either the price or the quality is not controlled by you. In this case, you're buying something for someone else. You care about the price because you're paying for it, but you're a little more flexible on the quality. A good example would be a wedding gift, say a coffee maker. You might think, by the time it breaks, they'll forget who gave it to them anyway. The cheaper one will be fine. All of us have bought things for others we never would have bought for ourselves. We care about the price because we're paying for it, but not so much about the quality because we're not going to use it. Or suppose we're going to use something, but we're not going to pay for it. Then we're concerned about the quality because we're consuming it. But the cost is not as important because we're not paying for it. Any father who ever got roped into paying for an open bar at a wedding understands this program. Nobody ever orders the cheap stuff when it's free. These are called second-party purchases. The person paying is not the person using. And now for the coup de gras. When it's not your money paying for something and you don't use it, then you're not concerned about either the price or the quality. Suppose the boss gives you $150 to buy a door prize for the office party. In a store window, you see a six-foot-tall stuffed frog marked $149. You think, oh, that's perfect. Let's buy it. The raffle winner is awarded the six-foot frog. Everyone laughs at the gag. Now, this is called a third-party purchase. A purchase that is made with money that's not yours. Therefore, you don't care about the cost. To buy something you're not going to consume... Therefore, you don't care about the quality. Here's the point. By definition, all government purchases are third-party purchases. The government spends other people's money on things it won't consume. It doesn't care about the price or the quality. Thus, there will always be waste in government spending. That's why, to paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, government should do only those things that a man cannot do better for himself. If 300 million Americans were free to buy health insurance for themselves, just as they buy their own life and home and car insurance. 
then that little gecko on television would offer us health insurance with a little more coverage for a little less cost. And he wouldn't be the only one. Insurance companies and hospitals would be working night and day to get our business. Quality would go up, prices would go down. It's already happened with laser eye surgery. It used to cost $2,200 per eye. Now it can cost as low as $500 per eye. That's the way free enterprise competition works every time. But when the government gets involved, costs go up, waste and fraud go up, essential medical services are denied or unavailable. These are the hallmarks of government healthcare bureaucracies around the globe. The sooner we make health insurance a first party purchase again, the sooner Americans will get the health care they want. Finally, I'm Bob McEwen for Prager University. Man, you could apply that lesson to everything the government does. I don't care if it's education, health care, building a stadium, whatever the government does. You could apply that lesson and you would find out that the government has screwed you left, right, and, and uh, I mean, it's just... They can't do anything efficiently. That's why Medicare and Medicaid are such a bad deal. You know, and, and I've talked about this before. Imagine, if you would, that the government isn't involved in your health care and that the income tax system doesn't benefit your employer for providing health care. You buy it yourself. And, uh, you know, your parents pay for you for a while, and then you get on your feet, and then you got to go out and find your own. And insurance companies would then be looking for policies that they could provide for 300 million people. Not just a handful of employers, but 300 million people. And some people would want more coverage, some people would want less coverage, and in order to get their money, they would have to cater. They would have to come up with a plan for all of these different scenarios. That would drive down the cost of health care. More and more, most people, most people would say, you know, give me something that will cover me uh, in the event that uh, I get uh, some deadly disease. I get cancer or something like that. Or I get in a horrible accident uh, and bust up a bunch of bones. And then all the other little stuff they pay for themselves. And hospitals would have to bring down their costs to cover that. Suddenly the price, and then on top of all that, because you've got the FDA out of the way, the prices for all of the services provided come down because those other pharmaceutical prices and, and, and other services that are, that are involved, they come down in price. Now, the insurance is affordable. Healthcare is affordable. But every Democrat who's listening to me now, and probably a bunch of Republicans, are thinking, oh, no, no, we, we can't do that. We just need more government. Well, they, that's, yeah, that's the solution from the left. Uh, but, but a lot of people on the right think the same thing. They think we need the government to provide these things. But we don't. 
If I were an insurance company in a free market and I wanted to make as much money as I could, and I believe that insurance companies should be for profit, I would say I would develop a plan for an 18-year-old. And I would say, look, we're going we're gonna to charge a little more up front. And we're going to invest that money so that we can keep your price, your cost, the same throughout your life. So when you get older, you have a, a you know a, a health care plan you can afford. I would be cater. I would be looking for different kinds of ideas. But right now, insurance companies don't do that. There are very few people who buy their own insurance. Even small companies with a few employees will join an organization so that they can get a better price. Some small business coalition or something in, in uh, their city. And insurance companies mostly cater to businesses. They're less flexible. No, the, the government drives up the cost of everything. Anything and everything they touch. Now, let us get to, uh, let us get to uh, President Biden. Uh, because, uh, well, he, sometimes it's challenging to understand him. And last week, Brian had me translate for him. And now I'm hoping he'll return the favor. Yeah, I'll step in and do my best to translate uh, Joe Biden. I, I appreciate that because no I was problem. left a yeah. little baffled. Tim Ryan in Ohio said he doesn't want you there. Warnock said wouldn't say. Do you think they're making a mistake? No, they're by 16 there. I've already gone in for you and a lot more last. Another 20 or so. I'm going to be going in. He's saying that uh, there are thousands of people that are clamoring to be with him, and oh. you're just ig ignoring the fact that, uh, you know, he's the most popular president in history, and get away from me now, son. Nobody there's 16, and I've already done four years, and a lot more last mm -hmm. another 20 or so. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm gonna gun ye, don't you understand? Right, yeah. I'm, I'm doing the translation for that that you just did. Hope I helped you out there. Actually, uh, Brian, uh, no, no, y y you really didn't. I do appreciate the effort, though. <laughs> I do. Uh, but it can be challenging. <laughs> we were talking about on Friday or on Thursday with uh, Kevin Jackson how uh, Fetterman and Biden got together and had a, a little tete-a-tete. -tete. How would you, how on earth could somebody who's translating for the deaf? get through that <laughs> they would have carpal tunnel syndrome from i don't know <laughs> they throw their hands up in the air like so i can't that's it. I, quit. I quit yeah there's no point in going any further i quit all right uh corporate uh, credit conditions are an indicator of the direction that we are headed the financial post has an update on that that i think you'll find well rather interesting and we talk about immigration in this country, and you know where I stand on this. Immigration is a good thing. That doesn't mean we just let anybody walk in, but bringing, you know, low-skilled workers into the country, not a bad idea. A little follow-up on that next on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show.
It is uh, 35 minutes after 10 o'clock. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. <laughs> I was just, there's a, uh, a piece in the American uh, Spectator that I thought was great. Um, the piece is by Doug Murray. Uh, and he's talking about these people who are uh, protesting global warming uh, and some of the stupid things that they're doing. Uh, there's a group called Just Stop Oil, and they're the ones that are gluing themselves to things and uh, abusing uh, costless or uh, priceless uh, uh, works of art. <clears throat> he says there's something especially pleasing uh, footage of van drivers in South London hauling protesters off the roads by the scruff of their necks. The colorful language which accompanies these acts is an additional delete delight for the irate British public, not always immune to using words that polite people might de deplore. All the videos bring some satisfaction. This week, a strange-looking man, child, uh, man-child with a comb-over, sprayed orange paint on an Austin Martin showroom in central London. As he issued his subsequent sermon for the camera's various offstage motorists, could be heard shouting unkind comments about such things as the man's child crop top. My sympathies in these exchanges are entirely with the motorists. While I don't own a van, I would like to think that if I encountered these protesters, I too would do my bit. Uh, and apparently uh, there was a, a, a gallery where these uh, idiots went to protest uh, using oil. Uh, and they glued themselves around the gal around uh, the, this in this gallery. The gallery staff ripped them off and took them away immediately. They didn't stand around like their counterparts of the National Gallery, where similar stunts were attempted. The London guards seemed principally interested in speaking into their walkie-talkies and protecting the protesters, which doubtlessly encourages more. So this guy is suggesting. Uh, that, uh, you know, when you throw paint or glue or soup at the nation's cultural heritage, that, you know, people should stand up and, and haul these people away. It's not enough, he says, just to encourage. I should also like to assist. Thus, I propose the setting up of a bail fund for protecting the public from Just Stop Oil. I'm willing to start the crowdfunding, and I'd like to offer cash prize, too, to be paid to the first person who stops anyone attacking a painting. I may even name the award in honor of the security guards uh, at this uh, Fusey uh, uh, gallery who showed us the proper attitude to take care of the barbarians attempting to rush through the gates. Well, what a great idea. Set up a, uh, a, a bail thing so that if you get arrested for doing what arguably uh, the government should be doing, which is keeping motorways free and uh, arresting uh, people who abuse private property well that should be that should be worth donating to you get arrested we bail you out i like that idea like that a lot okay uh illegal immigration everybody is worried about it. fox news is doing it constantly it's just millions of people streaming across the border and I'm a let-em-all-in kind of guy. But I do have some, well, restrictions. I want to make sure that you're not going to kill people because you've got something that's communicably uh, deadly. I don't know what that would be today, but it could happen. I don't want um, 
terrorists coming across the border, that's for sure. And I don't want murderers and other vicious criminals coming across the border. So the secret to success is to let people come in through the front door so they no longer have to go uh, cross a river and, and do all kinds of dangerous things through the desert and drop over a wall in order to get into the country. You say, come on to the front door. We'll check you out right here. And when that happens, you can pretty much guarantee that nobody would be crossing the Rio Grande, traipsing through the desert, or dropping over a 15-foot wall in order to get into uh, the country unless they were one of the bad guys. So it would be easier to catch them. There'd be far fewer of them. And when these people come into this country, we should be encouraging them to go to work. And we do that, of course, by not uh, letting them have anchor babies and, and money for, for, for that sort of thing. Uh, in Fort Myers, Florida, the story goes, the last time Antonio followed a hurricane to Florida, authorities detained him at a day labor stand and sent the construction worker back to his native Mexico. After nearly 20 years in this country, he accepted the order to leave. He wanted to see his aging parents. But he returned to the States days after Hurricane Ian, sleeping in his pickup truck in a discount store parking lot, glancing at the street, waiting for someone to roll up and offer him work. He said he was anxious because Governor DeSantis had declared that undocumented immigrants are unwelcome in Florida. We're not here to steal. We're here to work, said Antonio, 48, standing beside his truck in a hard-hit city in southwest Florida. This is helping. That's exactly right. Somebody comes into this country, if they're, you know, here to work, we should let them work. There is no point in turning them away just because we only want baccalaureates or people with PhDs. Nonsense. We want everybody that wants to come here to work. You cannot. It would be a Virtually impossible if you followed the rules of the Constitution. You could not have too many people. Because they would drive the economy. It, it, if you ever got to the point where there just wasn't any more room, no jobs to be had, they wouldn't want to come here anymore. It, the problem fixes itself. And, and these guys and gals who are in Florida are going to work. They're going to put roofs down. They're going to uh, put up siding. They're going to do their carpentering and plumbing and everything else. That's going to be good for the state of Florida. So the Democrats and the Republicans are totally, totally screwing the pooch on this. Just one of the assets of, of having uh, the people come into this country, as we always have. That's, that's how this country got to be the beacon of liberty that it is, or was. All right, uh, on the economy, corporate credit conditions are worsening with the last of three key measures now flashing red, according to a traffic light system used by uh, Janice uh, Henderson Investors. The story is at Financial Post. 
The outlook for cash flow and earnings was down. Um, this is a, a, not good look. Uh, good, uh, not a good look here. Uh, the outlook for cash flow and earnings was downgraded from Amber in the third quarter. Uh, the U.S. three hundred billion dollar asset manager said on Monday the other two measures, access to capital and debt load, were already in the red. Uh, conditions are deteriorating globally as central banks around the world raise interest rates and try to rein in inflation, pushing the cost of refinancing debt to a record. They're especially bad in Europe, where higher energy costs are fueling the cost of living crisis that threatens to reduce consumption and earnings, something we, by the way, could help mitigate if we were producing oil in quantities that we're capable of because that's what that's the role that we've played. That's what keeps OPEC in check, is that we're willing to produce oil that lowers those prices. What started as a liquidity-induced downturn for credit is likely to become a fundamental downturn as credit quality is impacted by central banks' relentless pursuit of combating inflation. Positioning portfolios for recession, heightened volatility, and a deterioration in credit quality is prudent. We got a problem brewing. All right. Uh, listen, we've got to take a quick break. We'll come back. Uh, what do we have? Oh, Eric the Liberal is on. I'll bet he's got some health care. Uh, I bet you he wants to support government health care. Oh, I bet it's true. All right. We'll find out what's up with him. It's the Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. It is 1049, actually 1050. <clears throat> Glad to have you with us, and uh, 874-9390-800-529-5572. Eric the Liberal, uh, on the line, I'm sure he's going to defend big government involvement in health care. Eric, welcome. Well, thank you, Gary. Um, well, I would actually, I was going to comment on your Prager, you guy, talking about third-party payer, and economists in general think, there's always issues when you have third-party pairs because there's a disconnect between the, the buyer and the seller. And um, but the problem is, all you know, it doesn't matter if it's governmental insurance or private insurance; it's still third-party payer. And the other problem is, it's almost a necessity due to the fact of the price of health care, and that's why people buy insurance is to be included into a risk pool, which basically necessitates a third-party payer system of some kind, private or public. But I would like to point out, and this is, I want to be as sincere as I can possibly be, you know, there's arguments against both, both sides on this, but we do have a system now where people, when they get 65, can sign up to Medicare and have government insurance, or they could go into Medicare Advantage, which is where the government takes the money that they would spend and gives it to a private company to handle your insurance needs. But I would like to warn people that while these private Medicare Advantage plans will sometimes entice people with like free gym memberships or some vision or dental insurance, they do um, they do cause much harm and pain to people when they become seriously ill because 
one, they don't pay as much to hospitals or rehab centers, and sometimes they're not even accepted. Also, they'll go out of their way to get people kicked out of these programs as quickly as they can, and you use different methods for that. They'll either continually require doctors to be submitting forms in order to keep someone under care, or they'll just deny most care up front and then make you go through the appeals process continually fighting to stay in care. So what's happening in reality is a lot of people are dying or getting ill or not getting the therapy they need. I'm going to vomit in my shoes if I let you keep going. It just really concerns me that that people suffer like that. Does it concern you, does it concern you, Eric, that Medicare is going broke? That it's in worse financial shape? than Social Security, which is also going broke? Right. We're just a couple of years away from Medicare failing to meet its obligations. It does concern me that that Congress hasn't just done what it takes to fix it. Yeah, that would be to privatize... actuaries that can tell you how much it That would be to privatize... Let me get a word in sledgewise here. Eric, that would be to privatize health care completely. That would be to privatize health care completely. You want to drive down the cost of health care, here's how you do it. You get the government completely out of it. You make it so that if I want health insurance, I buy health insurance. That the insurance company caters to me, not to my employer. You can't then, do that on your own. Why can't I do that well, on my own, Brian? Because you're, you're too, too stupid. stupid. Oh, that's the mentality. I would get catastrophic care. I would pay for everything else myself. Hospitals and insurance companies would then be fighting to drop the prices because they would want my business. That's how it should that's how it should work. That's a free market in healthcare. The government shouldn't tell me what prescriptions I can get. They shouldn't be the ones who determine the efficacy of the new drugs. They shouldn't be able the ones to talk about the safety of a new drug. They should be completely out of it. Then the costs would plummet for new pharmaceuticals. There would be investments in all kinds of new, uh, new ideas and new programs. Everything that you propose does nothing to lower prices, just drives them up. And that's the same thing that happens with government, no matter what they try to do. Well, to be fair, I didn't propose anything. I um, also... Well, you propose government should I- save Medicare somehow. Absolutely, or or pick a different system. The, the problem I see, I absolutely agree with you. You're 100% right. If you made it a free market system, especially if you took out the third-party payer part altogether and people just paid for service, that would drastically reduce prices. That wouldn't absolutely. be free market. Was privatized. That wouldn't be right. free market. Free market would say, I can do that or I can buy insurance. But as soon as you get and that's not three, and that's not third payer. That's buying my own insurance is is not uh, the same as having my employer buy it. Well, let me ask you a question. It, I mean, if someone else is paying the bill, then it is by definition third party payer. I'm paying but, for the insurance, so that makes the difference. Yeah, but to your point, while I do think it would lower costs, I do think that some people would be unable to afford coverage. Also, do you, I want to ask you a question. Do That's you when private charity in any, steps in. Do you believe in any regulation 
On, from the government? Um, yeah. No. For insurance companies. Okay. So in your scenario you were talking about earlier where you're trying to get the young person to pay a little bit more when they're young, but they would have cheaper rates when they got older. What if that company goes out of business? You mean like when General Motors went out of business, uh, even though they had five-year warranties on their cars? The, you mean that sort of thing? Yeah. So yeah. now the person's been paying for 30 years, and they're 60, and they've been paying a little extra all this time. They're going to have to pay an exorbitant amount So of let us dance on the head out. of a pin because you're afraid of the free market, and you think the only solution is the government. No, but the government no. is I mean, going. But, but Eric, the government, which has been taking my money since I was uh, eight, actually younger than that, sixteen years old, paying into Medicare, they're going broke, and everybody over sixty-five, unless they're multimillionaires, is on it. So what system right. is perfect? None, but I just want to explain some of the cost savings. So we have a law. Oh, that wait a minute. You just, did, you, just, you just glanced over the big problem here, which is with Medicare, is not with Medicare, literally 100 million people are going to be without health insurance. If a private insurance company fails, yeah, they may lose a million people. Which one is worse? Right. Right, but a lot of people would agree that if you've been paying, that you should have a re government would regulate it and require, which is what they do now, that the new insurer would honor the, the cheaper rate because you've had continuing service. But that's where the, a lot of the cost savings is in the protections like that, whereas now you're out in the cold because I'm not trying to, like, say you're wrong. It's yes, just, you are. It's just the amount of, I mean, either system works, and no. both systems have flaws. I mean, all the systems have flaws, just like you said, but... Yeah, look, look the difference is that when the government forces you into a system, when it fails, everybody gets bit. When a private marketplace, some people get bit, uh, bitten. I, I would rather some people than everybody. Eric, I'm out of time, buddy. Appreciate the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. 874-9390, toll-free, 800-529-5572. Callers, stay on the line. We're going to get to you in just a couple of minutes. Uh, but we've got uh, some other uh, uh, topics here that we need to, uh, to cover, including some information about that spike protein on COVID and on the vaccination. Right here on the Gary Nolan Show, Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show 